y'all. Welcome back to Love, Sweat, and Tears, Ingredients for Transformative Campus Leadership. Today, I sit down with Veronica V. Sofer, who worked as a chief communications officer in a large school district in Texas. She's been in communications for and public relations for over 25 years, um, and now she does consulting work with campuses and districts and administrators to help kind of leverage current communication channels and bridge the gap between schools and admin and parents and families and the community members at large. Um, she has an amazing podcast herself. It's called Saturday Sound Bites. You can find that on Spotify and other podcast channels, wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, it's been featured on Fox and ABC and NBC and NPR and various other networks. It's really awesome. I hope you go check it out. Um, she's got other resources available on her website as well. You can find that at veronicavsofer.com. Sofer is S-O-P-H-E-R. I hope you all enjoy and learn like I did. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us live. This is kind of a new thing for responsive learning. And now we have one of our very own content partners to go live with us. Thank you so much for being here. This is Veronica V. Sofer. Um, she has six now amazing courses on campus leadership and um, like uh, PR for principals right. and brand building okay. and all the things we need for schools. Yes. yes, yes. I'm so excited to talk to you about that. Um, but before we talk about that, I want to talk about Veronica. Okay. Um, so tell me a little bit just about what your experience in school was like as a kid. Wow, that's a really good question. Yeah. So I was one of those kids that moved around a lot. Okay. I think I've calculated that I went to eight different schools between okay. kindergarten and high school. Okay. And uh, I, my first school, so my first campus was a Catholic kindergarten. Okay. Sure. And then I got into public school when we okay. moved to Texas. Okay. And then we moved around almost every year. Wow. Yeah, and wow. so that was really challenging. So like whole different cities? Well, we stayed in Houston. Okay. We stayed in Houston, but we went to different <laughs> yeah. elementary schools. And a lot of that was just a function of this transient population that we have. Sure. My mom was a single mom. And so the, um, the need to move around for economics and for jobs and all of that kind of played into that. And we have a whole population of students who don't get that consistency in schools. Right. And I was one of them. But by the time I got to middle school and high school, things had settled and we'd figured out our way. And um, I was able to go to the same high school for four years. Okay. So that was pretty, that was pretty a, a big deal for me because I yeah. never really had that consistency. But what it's done is it's allowed me to have friends over a full spectrum uh, and um, so friends from this school and a friend from that school sure. and then we met back up in middle school and then somehow we ended up together in high school yeah. so that that's been a good it's been a good experience I think at the time it was probably really difficult yeah. but um, you know just like a lot of our kids today they find a way they're really resilient kids are really resilient so when you graduate high school, what do you like? What's your path towards where you are now? So I either wanted to focus on getting a degree that was going to land me into a really good law school. Okay. So I come from a family full of lawyers and journalists and public servants, okay. and uh, I, I knew that was my path somehow. Mm. So, um, but I was really passionate about journalism and storytelling. So I decided a journalism degree is probably going to be my path, and then I get to the University of North Texas in Denton. Yeah. Yes, wrote for the, um, the newspaper there, and um, loved my time, and very quickly realized I am a storyteller. Yeah. 
and I needed to find a way to really put those passions together and public relations was one of the degree plans sure. in the School of Journalism, the Mayborn School of Journalism, which I'm now on the advisory board for, which hey, is which is lots of fun. Really? Full circle, yeah. full circle for cool. University of North Te Texas. Yes. And um Go Mean Green. Yes. And uh, Whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. So that was really um, eye-opening for me. And then I realized that law school probably wasn't going to be nearly as fun. I'd worked in lots of different law firms. The idea of billing my time in 15-minute increments yeah. was not what a storyteller's passion is about. Yeah. So um, pursued that and really enjoyed my time in North Texas. Cool. So you graduate from North Texas. You got this journalism degree. Where do you go from there? So I immediately went to Las Colinas Country Club. Okay. 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 Doing internal communications, whatever that means. Sure. Right. So I had, had, had I had a job. Yeah. I had the job two weeks before graduation, so I sure. felt like I was winning. Yeah. And uh, did that for a little bit, got into hospitality, and then went um, straight into banking. Um, okay. I had been a bank teller in college pretty consistently all through college. Okay. So I was the marketing officer for a bank in Denton, okay. which I loved, and I did that for two or three years. Then got into public health care in uh, Fort Worth, and then at 27, 28, got hired as the communications director for Arlington ISD. Okay. And that's what started my path on public education. Education. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Cool. So as you kind of make that journey, what do you find the similarities between all of those different places as you're telling stories about where you're working? I think everyone wants to find something that they can relate to. So when you're telling a story, um, whether it's in healthcare or hospitality or even banking, sure. you've got to make sure people can make a connection, an emotional connection. Yeah. It's got to be memorable. It's got to touch them some, some way, somehow. And if it doesn't in that moment, it may in the future. So how do you plant seeds for the future as a storyteller? Um, and people might say that's really hard to do in oil and gas or that's really hard to do in finance. It really isn't. Mm -hmm. And you just have to find that creative way to get that, uh, make that connection. Mm -hmm. So what was it like jumping from these other kind of industries into education? Well, you know, other than having gone to a public education, you know, sure. having a public education, I didn't know right. much about it. Yeah. I didn't know much about school finance and some of the challenges, but um, I come from also a family of public servants, and the ability to see that the work I was doing was impacting what was happening in the classroom okay. was really touching for me. And so I fell in love with public ed, been doing it 20-some plus years ever since, and um, I just knew that when my team and I put an event together or we put a campaign together or worked on a project we were helping teachers we were helping principals and we were helping students and so that brought a lot of uh, joy to me and that's what helped me feel fulfilled and then when I had uh, two children of my own in the public school system it was even more important yeah. that we were supporting what was happening so what sorts of things were you doing for the ISD at that point you know, everything from media relations, one-on-one, uh, -on -one, being able to be a spokesperson on camera, doing interviews, to strategic communication, marketing, uh, election work, if there was a bond election sure. that we were doing, really trying to share with the community the importance of public ed and what yeah. we were doing, and then highlighting the great things that were happening in our buildings. 
that was really important to us. Okay. We were building trust with the community. We were building um, rapport with our employees, helping morale, really celebrating the great things that were happening on campuses. Mm. And so sometimes those projects look like a big event or it could be a state of the district event that we were putting on for the community. Or sometimes it was just a community forum with parents. But we were bringing them in, we were sharing our story, we were listening to them, yeah. and then we were responding to their needs. Uh, at that point in time, what platforms were you using to do all of that communication? Well, we started out with fax machines. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, we did, um, when I was first starting, we did have internet and access, but we weren't, we didn't have websites per se. Sure. They were really just landing pages yeah. with some PDFs. That you, yeah. I don't even know if they were PDFs, but yeah, they were something right. you could download or look yeah. at. They were not interactive. There was not engagement. We really didn't see the advent of two-way communication until probably the early, maybe 2006, 2005. Um, Hurricane Ike, some of the bigger events that happened. Okay, yeah. um, Katrina, you know, those yeah. kinds of events. We started seeing emergency communication tools where parents could get yes. text messages or emails. And then we started shifting to social media. You know, we, yeah. we were not um, very prolific in, in how to communicate with parents at the time. Sure. And part of the reason why is because those parents didn't know how to use social media. Sure. Today, right. our parents were born using social media. Yeah. And yeah. so that was a different way to communicate. And the expectation of if there had been an incident on the campus, the expectation right. was that the parents would be told by the end of the day. And oftentimes it was a printed out letter yeah. that got cut off into maybe thirds or quarters right. on a piece of paper oh, yeah. Yeah. and stuffed in a folder. Yeah. The expectation to now of parents is that they be told instantly if there's an incident on a campus or some sort of um, event that's happening. Yeah. So the expectations from our parents have changed drastically on how we communicate. Yeah. So the idea of transparency from a parental level yeah. um, is, is just completely different than what it was 10, 15 years ago. So you're kind of working at the ISD. How long are you there for? So my first district, I was there about seven years. Okay. And then um, that was in the DFW area. I was with right. um, Arlington ISD. Uh, large district. I think I had about 80 yeah, campuses at the time. Sure. Again, early 2000s, 2003, 2002. And then uh, we moved to Leander ISD in the Austin area. Okay. Uh, much different community. It was mm. not a traditional sub, uh, urban, suburban type district. You know, in, in Arlington, I'm, we were right nestled between Dallas and Fort Worth. Yeah. So you had all that population and we were yeah. landlocked. And then I went yeah. to a district that was not landlocked. It was sure. considered a fast growth district where we were building schools and schools and hiring yeah. teachers and trying to have some continuity in, in our curriculum and in our programming, sure. which is really important when you're opening two or three new schools a year. Yeah. And uh, that district, I think when I got there, we had maybe 30,000 students. And then I think when we left, uh, maybe another 15 to 20, 22,000. Okay. So I left about seven years later and um, went to the Houston area. I went to Fort Bend ISD okay. and um, did that and uh, as the chief communications officer. And there, there again, 80,000 students, about 80 schools, 82 schools, and a different community. You're in a very high urban community yeah. and um, very diverse. In that yeah. district, we had 25% Hispanic, Black, uh, Asian, and White. So okay. when you have a very diverse community, your communication needs are different and how yes. you respond Absolutely. to the community is, is, is completely different. When you're in a community that's a little more homogeneous, there are some different values and expectations. Right. 
So you have to be mindful of all of that. Things like holidays right. or, you know, those kinds of um, familial traditions yeah. that maybe you weren't exposed to, your kids are now exposed to them and what kind of learning opportunities is, is that yeah. for them? And then how do we celebrate it as, a, as an institution, right. as a district? Yeah. So that was very, very, um, I would say exciting because it was something new that we got a chance to do. And so I just wrapped up six years and just left Fort Bend and now I'm on my own doing my own K-12 communication consulting. So tell me, tell me more about that, about what you're doing now and why you're excited about it. I, you know, I've always been a teacher at heart. Sure. And a storyteller. Yeah. So leadership has been a passion of mine. And anytime I got an opportunity to present to principals or other school leaders and share what I had learned and share my story, um, I, I would get excited. And I thought, man, if I could just do this all day long and not yeah. necessarily talk to the media or write press releases, those were all things I loved to do. But we talk about our zone of genius, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. And then, genius. Yeah. yeah. And then there are things that you're really, really good at and mm -hmm. skilled at. Sure. And you can just do in your sleep. But is it really what you're passionate about? Right. And so as I matured in yeah. my career, my passions changed. And customer service was really the thing that my heart just went to. Because during COVID, I saw so many of our teachers and principals and frontline employees getting crushed yeah. during COVID. Right. They wanted to help those kiddos and yeah. those families. And those families were struggling. And oftentimes, our paraprofessionals on the campuses were struggling at home, too. So. I redesigned some curriculum that I'd worked on over the years and okay. really made it centered in self-care okay. and self-awareness. Yeah. So in our trainings, we talk mostly about how we have to put our oxygen mask on ourselves first sure. before we can put it on others. And that's really the root of, of the customer service training that we do. So in this next chapter in my life, I'm touting the benefits of self-care, mindfulness, mm -hmm. all the things we want our kids to be thinking about in the classroom. Yeah. I'm just bringing it to the staff level yeah. because oftentimes we say, do as I say, not as I do. Right. And now we need our district employees to take care of themselves. Yeah so they can be there for kids. And so that's that's really where my focus is right now. Okay, awesome. So you started that just recently then? This in the last couple of weeks. I had no idea. Yeah. That's really exciting. So you've designed some courses for responsive learning. Mm -hmm. um, are those kind of in that same vein of leadership and self-care and Absolutely, absolutely. Self-care is really the key to a strong leadership. Uh, any type of program that you're doing um, and you know our principals are juggling all kinds of things on the campus level yeah. whether it's day-to-day -day discipline budgets right. schedules you name yeah. it and their leadership is really dependent on how well they've taken care of themselves yeah. are they are they spending time uh, feeding their soul are they taking care of their bodies are they staying hydrated I mean yeah. some of the basics right yeah because they're running around all day long on campuses taking care of their teachers and their students. And in order for them to be their best, we need them to take care of themselves. And I also share a lot about team building. One yeah. or two of the courses that I have um, there on the platform with responsive learning is about team building because yeah. you've got to be able to get that collaboration and that synergy moving in yeah. a really positive way. Yeah. And a good leader can make that happen if they've taken care of themselves. Uh, and I just, I can hear the principal saying, I don't have time, I can't. Yeah. Like how, what are some realistic and practical things that campus leaders can do to 
find time to take care of themselves? Are you talking about this during the school day, before the school day, after the school day? Like, you know, practically, what can a exhausted, busy campus leader do to better take care of themselves? Yeah, that's a really great question. The answer is yes. They can do all of that at any time of the day because really all we have to do to recalibrate our physiology mm -hmm. is to stop for a moment. Mm -hmm. Take a deep breath. You just do it a couple of different times. Your blood pressure will change. The way you, your digestive system works will change. Mm -hmm. Your mindset will change. All of that takes just a few seconds. So sometimes it's just as simple as getting some oxygen in your brain so the chemicals in your brain can yeah. just readjust even even if it's before uh, maybe a training that they're going to give or maybe they're going to have a difficult conversation with the parent and there's a little bit of anxiety or you know they're just not they want to make sure they get the words just right yeah. taking a couple of deep breaths and really just being present in the moment will let your body relax and get mm -hmm. some of that adrenaline that maybe you've been pumping right. to just resettle a little bit and so right. You know, walking is another great way. Principals are always walking the campuses. Right. Assistant principals, they're always yeah. on their walkie-talkie. They're always yeah. walking the building. Yeah. And sometimes they need to just take it outside. Maybe they can just walk the perimeter real quick. A lot of us, especially in Texas, are having to do door checks. Yeah, oh, the door the checks. The door checks, oh. right? So and that one door that never really right? quite right. So <laughs> make sure that you can still be working and you can still be taking care of yourself. Sure. Take it outside. Get some sunlight. Let that sunlight, you know, really impact your body and get that those vitamins that you need from the sun. And you're watching the trees kind of swaying. All of that relaxes the body in the subconscious. Yeah. So taking a moment to do that is, is going to be um, really important. And then my favorite is to just build in time on your calendar. Four minutes, three minutes. Yeah. It doesn't have to be more than five okay. minutes. Okay. It can literally be... While you're making your to-do list, what about a gratitude list? Five things on a gratitude list. It'll take you 60 seconds. Yeah. Write it down because when you write it down, that tactical function of writing sure. it down will bring that gratitude present to you. And yeah. again, in your subconscious, when you're holding that moment of gratitude, you cannot be holding anxiety or stress at the same mm -hmm. time because they're conflicting they're conflicting thoughts. So those are some really simple things yes, you can do right. that take no time. Yes. You can do it in the morning, lunch, dinner, anytime you want, yes. and it'll make a big difference. All right, campus leaders, you're gonna breathe. You're gonna get outside and be mindful. Mm -hmm. You're gonna move your body, mm -hmm. and we're gonna make a gratitude list. Simple. Tomorrow, today. Today, yeah. Yes. Start today, right now. Yes, <laughs> I love it. Now that you're kind of in this uh, private sector, um, you're providing these services. What other services are you providing for school leaders? We're doing a lot of retreats. Okay. So not only are we doing the customer service training for staff, but we're doing some retreats. Okay. Uh, we've done some for some uh, cabinet members and executive team members. Okay. But then we've also done some for female leaders because okay. that's a passion of mine as well. So just anyone can kind of sign up and come to you? You know, the professional development teams say, hey, if you're an aspiring, aspiring leader, um, in our district, we've got these PD opportunities available to you, and okay. so I've been invited to come and speak. And then coaching communication, school communication professionals one-on-one. -on -one. Because sometimes we get communication professionals that maybe haven't been in media for a while. Maybe yeah. they have their degree, 
uh, right. 10, 15 years ago, but then they went into the classroom or they went into the principalship and then they get hired at central office as a communications um, director or chief sure. communications officer, but they've been out of the game a little bit yeah. and things have changed. How we communicate right. and how we respond to the media are completely yeah. different. So they bring me in so that I can do a little bit of coaching and just kind of bring them up to speed and get them where they need to be to be ready to tackle some of these really difficult topics that we're, we're dealing with in, in public ed. Okay. So this, you know, our kind of main audience for this podcast is specifically campus leaders. Um, and so I would love to go through some of the most common problems um, that are easily fixed that you see campus level admin making when it comes to um, specifically like team leadership. Mm -hmm. What are some things if, if a, you know, school principal is feeling like, yeah, I, I need some tools, but I don't know where to find them or how to use them or where to start. Mm -hmm. um, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I, you know, I would say the first thing you need to do is do an inventory of your team. Okay. Know where your team is emotionally, know where they're at in their skill set, and know where they're at in their aspirations for movement. Because sometimes you might have a hidden gem on your team that they haven't articulated that they're looking for growth opportunities and that could be the perfect leader on your team mm. to help you maybe develop some some team building opportunities sure. so as a leader if you have had some really great one-on-one -on -one time with every one of your team members you'll know where they're at yeah. maybe you have a team member who might be dealing with some family issues and they're usually your go-to they're the one person that you can count on to make something happen but maybe you don't realize that they might be dealing with maybe an ailing parent or maybe a teen that's struggling or they might be going through a divorce or something. So you don't need to get into the personal lives of your team if they're not ready to share all of that. But if they're willing to share that, you as a leader need to do an inventory of where everyone is at, ask them what their next steps are, what their path is for the future or how they vision it. And then you can kind of see where everyone is on the bus and make sure that your seats yeah. are in order right. and that really is going to help with your team building yeah. because if you don't know your team you're not going to be able to put them all together the way you, you envision sure. envision it happening yeah and I can see you know principals just saying well we don't have time to have that to make like that that's a stretch to make that time mm -hmm. but you can't lead people you don't know yeah really in finding opportunities for some just um, morale boosting you know one of the things we like to do um, in, in the teams I've been on is maybe have a dip day so everybody brings a dip and we put it on the teachers lounge yeah. and we do chili contests and yeah. that's a really great way to keep the door open so that when maybe someone wants to come and talk and share a little bit more about themselves that 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 rapport is there yeah. you've established that it doesn't have to be formal one-on-one -on -one meetings that are set. It can be more of a casual way of connecting sure. with people. And it doesn't have to take a lot of time. Right. It really doesn't. Sure. Um, and I, I have found that people are open to yeah. those kinds of conversations yeah. and they're thankful that their campus principal has shown an interest. Maybe, right. maybe they want to take a team lead. Maybe they're thinking about a master's program. Yeah. Or maybe they're considering getting their superintendency certification. Sure. It's good for a principal to know what people are thinking in terms of the horizon. Cool, what are, what are some other things that campus leaders can do to kind of enhance their internal campus culture and um, thinking about branding and culture and what are some ways that uh, campus leaders can strengthen this 
um, team, the sense of unity, the story. How can we use storytelling to kind of build that culture into our schools as leaders? One of my favorite ways to see principals do this is on social media because okay. it takes no time and it's free. It's sure. absolutely free. Yeah. So we know that principals are walking the buildings all day long. Yeah. They're poking their heads into classrooms. They're reading on the floor with their little ones. They might be out there on the playground with fourth grade or fifth grade playing a, a sport. And so when our principals are doing that, one of the best things they can do is just take a picture. Of course, make sure they've got the right students in, right. The, in the photo right. and consent has been given and all that privacy issues have been addressed. Take a picture and celebrate what the kids are doing and acknowledge the teacher. Acknowledging the teacher is really gonna be a bonus. So be mindful of um, when you get to a chance to celebrate Miss Smith or Miss Garcia or Mr. Jones, that you are, if, if not tagging them, then at least mentioning them by name because that's what's gonna build that morale and it's really gonna help with that team building and make them feel appreciated and validated. Right. You and know, seen. and seen because that's the beauty of social media. Yeah. And so then you, you start branding your campus as one of excitement, as innovation, as one with high quality teachers delivering high quality instruction. And parents then become part of that right. team and they become part of that brand awareness. And I have found that when you do that, parents then want to share on their social media, sure. their students being recognized with their families sure. and friends. So I've kind of been thinking of it as there's internal team building and there's external PR, but it just doesn't seem, it seems like it's just all It's all threaded together, yeah. And that's the beauty. I mean, yes, yeah, so there are things you can do internally sure. that'll make a difference that aren't appropriate necessarily for families to, no to engage for. Yeah, I mean, like dip day or right. college yes. day or whatever it is, but there's an opportunity to piggyback off of that and if, say if you do a college day and the teachers all wear their college t-shirts yeah. or, or things like that, and you can do some internal competition stuff, but then yeah. you can also take pictures of it and get all the Aggies together right. for a photo and put yeah. that on social media or all the Longhorns together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of fun ways to kill two birds with one stone. Because yeah. your internal audience yeah. is, is so important right. and they will make or break your brand. Yes but your external audience can be just as powerful. Yeah, well, it, that reminds me on our campus, um, we have one, one admin went to UT mm -hmm. and one's an Aggie. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, every time they play, well, they'll put little, just little stickers all around the school and they'll just keep flipping each other's upside down all day. And then all the other kind of staff members get in on it and it's such a sweet thing and the, the kids are all like, what's going on? But most parents don't know anything about right. that and have no idea that, you know, our, our team is so close-knit, but our parents don't get to celebrate that at all. And that's such a good point that it, you know, having those things connected helps build cohesion and tell your story. Absolutely. Yeah. And we know that people need to be exposed to our, our campus brand repeatedly. You know, back in the day, they'd say, oh, well, five to ten impressions a week. It, it's not that way anymore. Our brains are processing so much information, mm -hmm. so much information. Uh, but, y again, you can help your brand by putting it out there more often, maybe not for consumption, but for exposure. Sure. So that's a different way of looking at it. You know, the human brain basically is exposed to 2.3 million bits of information a second. Mm -hmm. But we can only process about 120 
176 bits of information per second. Sure. So the rest of that information is just going yeah. in our subconscious. Right. And it's a great way to create impressions without really engaging people. Yeah. And and we don't think about that as as marketers or as storytellers, but that's essentially what's happening. Yeah. And advertisers have known that for years. Right. But in the public education space, that was not information we utilized or tapped into, but we're competing yeah. right now today right. for public education dollars. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, principals yeah. know what their attendance is yeah. because central office is right. telling them. Right. And central office is telling them because the budget office, yeah. I mean, it, it all right. trickles down. Right. But the competition for, for students is fierce. Well, and even, yeah, and even, you know, if the schools that have great branding and have, even if we don't call it that, parents are moving kids to those yes. schools because of all of this engagement and branding. And so, I mean, that's, that's attracting dollars. Like there are, there's funding at stake mm -hmm. for, for a campus that, especially a campus leader that doesn't feel um, confident on social media, mm -hmm. that doesn't, maybe doesn't feel like they have a good awareness of a campus brand. Mm -hmm. What are some first steps to take towards branding your campus and then communicating that branding? Well, the first thing you can do is just start. Okay. There's not a great way of doing it. You don't have to have pictures that have been cropped with sure. a logo. Right. They don't. Yeah. Just start. Okay. Just, just start. start. Just get out there. Just get out there. Start. Put on your phone. You know, turn the camera around. Film yourself. Go live. Oh, it's scary. It's scary. It is yeah. scary. Don't worry about what your hair looks like. Don't worry about. Yeah. Really celebrate what's happening because what people want to do is relate to someone who's authentic. Yeah. and let that natural organic communication start. Right. So if you're too polished and you've got too much production, yeah. they may not think you're being genuine, Yeah. especially on a campus level, right? Yeah. So just start, that's the first thing to do. And then the second thing to do is just be consistent. Don't do it two or three times and then stop for three weeks yeah. and then start back up. Right. Be consistent, you don't have to do it every day, but, okay. but be consistent. So if you wanna commit to two or three times a week, do that. And it can just be a picture with a caption, hashtag your school, tag your campus, tag your district. There are some key things that you can do that will really um, help spread the word, those natural threads that just kind of happen on social media. Yeah. And the algorithms, you don't need to know all the formulas because it changes every other week anyway. Sure. But just be consistent with a couple of hashtags, pick one or two that you'll always remember. Okay. Tag your district if it's appropriate okay. and be consistent. So just start. Okay. And you'll find ways to make improvements and then all of a sudden you'll see what other people are doing and you'll want to try to shift gears a little bit and there's a natural growth and a natural improvement that that comes with social media but just start yeah for a campus admin that is new to a campus or doesn't have strong bonds with their team yet what are some ways that they can kind of incorporate that team building into the branding if maybe if the campus doesn't have a strong brand how can someone new come in and help this existing team build something new and kind of get them on board onto their their boat and kind of rather than you know I, you know so often we get a new admin and it's like okay let's see like if this one's going to try to come and ruin everything that we've got going or you know so how can we help foster that community and communicate that without teachers feeling unsupported or without them feeling bulldozed yeah well, that's a really great question. And the advice I usually give new administrators is mm -hmm. don't go in and try to change everything right away. Mm -hmm. Honor the past. Mm -hmm. 
honor those who have been there and ask for their um, support and ask for their guidance. So if you've got a campus teacher that's been there 20, 25 years yeah. and you're a brand new administrator yeah. and that particular teacher may you know, have some reservations about your leadership style, go to them and ask them to help you adjust to the culture and, and help guide um, what has worked well in the past and what hasn't. Get some insight. Use mm -hmm. that, that institutional knowledge that they have and leverage it yeah. so that you can start celebrating some of the, you know, what was great about the good old days. What was yeah. great about when that two or three principles ago would do certain things. Yeah. And if, say you're a Mustang. What does it mean to be a Mustang? If I was a new administrator, the first thing I would do, mm -hmm. if, you know, say the mascot was a Mustang, is I'd yeah, go to sure. some of those veteran <clears throat> teachers and say, what does it mean to be a Mustang? What do you want our kids to know? What can I do as the new leader to become the type of Mustang we want our kids to be? And then I'd probably turn that into a social media campaign. And every Monday, I do Mustang Monday yeah. and highlight some value that the school has that I didn't necessarily bring in, but that as an, as an administrator, I'm adapting to, yeah. to honor the past and to honor the campus and honor those who came before. Right. Uh, you know, things may not have always been great on that campus, and there's always sure. ebbs and flows, but there's always something good you can celebrate. Yeah. And so honoring that's probably one of the best pieces of advice I would give to a new administrator. Yeah. I love that question, like what does it mean to be a whatever the mascot and communicating that on social media and having kids get, students get on board with that even. It's exciting. So some specific tools or resources um, for a campus leader that feels like they're failing to create a healthy team culture, when we're talking about team building, um, if you know we've got a couple of tips that they can implement right now, um, what are some other resources or books that you've liked or classes that you've taken or created um, where we can go to learn more to help create that team? I think the core of building a team is finding what people have in common. What are some shared values and some shared vision that they have? Mm -hmm. Sometimes an administrator is brought in because there might be conflicts on a campus mm -hmm. or there may be some struggles or, uh, you know, clicks that just no one's been able to break through. And I have found that when a principal can go in and start doing some retreats, some team building, that centers around shared vision. So let's, we all know that we all disagree about X, Y, and Z. Sure. But what do we agree about? Let's find the one thing that we all hold dear. And oftentimes it's student success. Yeah. And, and oftentimes it's the one thing that brought us all to public education. Mm -hmm. And I call that finding your true north. Okay. So when I go in and I work with the team, I help them identify their true north. And sometimes that takes hours because yeah. there has to be some consensus. But usually it's at its core, it's helping kids helping yeah. students, really, really getting to the nitty gritty. And when you can simplify that, then a leader can build on that. Okay, yeah. But if you don't have that fundamental, what do we all agree on mm -hmm. platform, it's gonna be hard to build. Mm -hmm. So I think that's usually um, where really good leaders start, is okay. finding that shared experience, that shared uh, value, and then building on it. And, and letting them help drive. Yeah. what that next step is yeah. because you as a leader might have read a great book have yeah. gone to a great workshop or a great training and you have a vision of what you think it needs to look like but that might not be the right fit for your campus sure. so ha let them help drive what's next mm. 
And as a good facilitator, you can find ways to draw out what people are one, willing to do. A book study is a great example. You mentioned a book study. Yeah. But what if your teachers don't like doing book studies? Yeah. What if they're, they don't want, or don't want another thing to do? But what if you all agree to listen to a particular podcast? Yeah. Or maybe watch a documentary together mm. and build some time in the day. So let them help drive what's next once you have identified that shared value. Yeah, okay. So kind of what I hear you saying is there's not a one-size-fits-all, everyone should go to this yeah. thing. It just depends on the team and your people mm -hmm. and your shared values. Yeah, and you know, the other thing to remember is there were things that worked really well for us before COVID, and then things that we tried to re-implement after COVID no longer worked. Yeah. Because we are a dynamic, a team is a dynamic entity. Yeah. What works one day may not work 12 months later. Yeah. And so we have to, as leaders, remember that we have to create dynamic experiences for everybody. Yeah, that's so true. As a storyteller, I would love to hear a story, um, a success story that of a team that you took through this process and how that went and how it turned out. Yeah, well, you know, um, you, you don't really know what you're, you don't know you're building a plane as you're flying it until you've landed it. Sure. And you're like, oh, we just, just built, we just built that plane. Sure. Yeah, and, you know, in Leander ISD, we did a lot of professional development and we spent a lot of time uh, building structures in place. Okay. And one of the things that we did was um, bring teams together when we were working on the profile of a graduate, which was okay. some years ago. And we thought it was going to shape out one way. And then we started bringing parents into the fold and the campus administrators into the fold. And we were used to doing traditional um, strategic planning. Sure. And we were used to doing like building charrettes. We'd work with architects as new campuses were being built. And so we were used to feedback and input. Yeah, and that was sure. part of our campus culture um, or our district culture. And then as we were putting this new profile together, it was research-based, it was data-based, but it really started shifting gears when our community and our board was helping us put all this together. And it was part of the guiding documents. And so the board, who are elected officials, felt very passionate about this and they had a vision of what they wanted. And so when we started with the end in mind, we thought we knew how, what it was gonna look like. Mm -hmm. But when we started having parent and community meetings, it shifted. How did it shift? It shifted because we were calling things, we were identifying terms or strategies that we that were very academic in nature. Okay. Sure. So we were using education type words. Yeah. And the community and the board who were not necessarily educators wanted us to speak in, in layman's terms and okay. what it meant for parents. And so all yeah. of a sudden you started seeing some of the language shift a little bit. But the beautiful part was it created some ownership. Yeah. And ownership is key. So when you use that same model and you see that um, you're open to variables and to dynamic changes, then you start to realize that a campus principal can do that too. Yeah. When you start working with parents and when you start working with um, teachers, it may shift a little bit too. So in the example that I gave working on our profile of a graduate and, and um, what that would look like, it, it uh, took shape and it, it ended up becoming um, a new creation that was um, really, really honored everyone's opinion mm. in a way that um, still was true to our original intent, but didn't get made the way we thought it was going to get made. Yeah. And I think good leaders are open to shifting so that in the end, 
they can get the result that was meant to get to be gotten and that's and that takes a lot of um i think it takes a lot of being humble because we're like well we're going to have three community meetings they're going to be on a thursday at six o'clock we're not oh yes we do need to make it open on so yeah no we're not going to stream yes we are going to stream no we're not going to stream you have to be flexible in all of those different scenarios because what we found is that the community wanted to be involved but maybe they couldn't so what other ways were they able to engage? And so those are some of the things you have to be flexible about. And it's okay to shift gears. Yeah. You can have a plan. Yeah. And that could have been a plan that worked previously. But you've got to be open to a new plan sometimes. Yeah. And so I would say in Leander, we were very good about being flexible. And that's a really good example of how we still ended up with a great product. We just went about it a little bit differently. Yeah, cool. Um, what are some things some, some campus leaders can do to help them identify um, other leaders on campus that'll help them, you know, our principals and even our APs, they can't do all of that by themselves. So what are some things that you've used to identify folks that are also have these leadership skills that can help build the brand and help build the team culture? Well, I think number one, that inventory we talked about earlier sure. is a good way to start. But the other thing is just being really observant and listening. When you hear maybe a department chair praise a new teacher or someone new to the team, listening through the lens of a leadership opportunity and how can I use that person's skills and their passions. You know, maybe you've got a new teacher who was really involved when they were in high school or in college in a particular club or program and you know, you know, anime is a great example or robotics or gaming. Gaming is another great example now that it's a UIL I know, but, yes. You know, how does a principal say, who here on my campus is a great gamer and wants right. to start a gaming club? Yeah. Listening through the lens of what your team members have a passion about is really going to help yeah. you connect and then bring, bring more resources to your kids. Right. And, and giving them the experience to go out and tap into someone who's already got a natural talent or has experience doing it. Yeah. You know, that's a great way to, to find um, new ways for kids to stay engaged. Because we know when kids are engaged and connected to a campus, they're going to succeed. Yeah. So who do you have on your campus that can create an anime club right. or a manga yeah. group? Or, yeah. And, you know, all those kinds of niche things that our right. kids are into yeah. and let them connect. Yeah. You know, you don't have to know a lot about gaming. Right. But if you've got someone on your campus who does, yeah. let's tap them for some leadership opportunities yeah. to help kids. You've kind of already answered this question, but just in case there's another another answer, what is like the number one thing that you would have campus admins start today? Like what's the one thing they can walk away from this episode and start doing today? Do you is is it that inventory? Is it the SEL kind of stuff we talked at the beginning? What do you think would be the the priority one thing for campus leaders to take away from this? Those are really great takeaways, and I would love to see them do that. But if there's nothing else that they um, take away from this is I would suggest getting a little mirror Mm. and putting it next to their phone. So when they're talking to um, anyone on their campus, they're talking to a parent, Mm -hmm. they're talking to central office, they are getting a reflection Mm -hmm. of themselves because our facial features and the way we, um, especially on the phone, are responding to someone is a good indicator of where you are. Self-awareness is my point. Being self-aware, taking a little inventory of where you are. Are you on the right seat on the bus? Are you being the best administrator you can be today? 
Are parents hearing you smile and can they hear the concern when you're on the phone? Yeah. When you're talking to your admin in the room next door, are you smiling? Yeah. Are, you, are, are you being who you wanna be as a leader? Yeah. So all those things are wonderful. Yes, breathe, journal, yeah. take a few minutes, but if you do nothing else, get a little mirror, put it next to your phone and see your reflection. Mm. That's so good. And even just having that reminder there, yeah. even if you're not looking at it every single time, right. just ha having that thought of what am I communicating? Am I communicating what I want to be communicating? Yeah. That's really good. Because when you have a mirror in front of you and you just see yourself roll your eyes, right. you're mortified. Yeah. You're like, did I just right. roll my half? Yeah. I hope they didn't hear me roll my eyes right. on the other line, yeah. right? Maybe yeah. you're talking to the business office or yeah. an assistant superintendent. Sure. Or maybe it's a heated conversation. Having that awareness of how you're communicating yeah. can make or break your yeah. leadership experience. Yeah. So that would be my one piece of advice, the one thing you can do today. Okay. Yes. Um, so for our folks out there that are listening to this or watching this and they are into it, they want more, where can we go to get more Veronica in our lives? Well, I've got six courses available on yes, Responsive Learning true. Platform. Yes. Responsive Learning. That's right. Yeah. I, and then I've got my website. It's Veronica. V Sofer, the yes. V is for Victoria. People, oh, people ask, name. okay, people ask me that all the time. What's sure. the V for? So it's yeah. veronicavsofer.com and you can connect with me easily. I, I love working with school districts and campuses and leaders and supporting them in a lot of different ways. And so that's the best way to reach me. Always also on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Yeah. For the, the campus admin that's wearing all these different hats that already has more on their plate to do than they can, um, why is building a brand and pouring time into communicating that worth it? Yeah, great question. So what I will remind people is that your brand is your promise. Hmm. Uh, that's really as simple as it is. Your brand is your promise. And so as a building principal, whether you are at one campus or move to another level or go open a new school or maybe change districts, your brand follows you. So your promise has to follow you. So if people know that you are, you know, the um, the the proud principal of whatever campus, you can interchange that campus name, but you but your brand is the proud principal of, right? Mm. And that builds trust and that builds continuity. So a brand is important because not only is it your promise, but it also is a good indicator of what you're willing to do and how you're willing to show up for people. Yeah. So I always tell principals, uh, yes, your, your campus brand is, is important. You wanna continue that long, rich legacy of being the bulldogs or you know, you know, being the, the wolves or whoever you are, but you as a principal have a stand and a commitment to the community, to your students, to your staff, and to yeah. your parents. So when you can reinforce that brand in your social media, in your newsletters, in your video yeah. messages, you know, I had a superintendent who would always start every video with, hello, I'm the proud superintendent. And that was his little shtick, if you will. Yeah. But it was, it was a continuous, recognizable brand that people knew. Yeah. So when they heard it, they knew there was a message that they wanted to, to listen to. Yeah. And um, so I think principals need to do that too. And then for teachers, it's just as important because as a teacher, you know, if you're a science expert or a math expert or just even um, a generalist, yeah. you know, you're the pre-K teacher of the year on your, yeah. uh, in your district or something, you, can, you will always be that. 
You may not be for that year anymore, but you can still always be that teacher of the year. That brand awareness follows you. And when you've got more of that on a campus, parents are going to trust you because what mm. our parents, our parents today are, they're smart shoppers, yeah, you know, right. they're Amazon prime. Yeah. So their expectation of, um, of identification is really important. Parents read reviews before yeah. they make purchases. Well, guess what? They're transferring all of those buying patterns yeah. onto public ed. And if we don't have a strong brand as a leader and as a teacher, then you're going to not instantly get that trust, that loyalty, we call it brand loyalty in the commercial yeah, space right. that you need in the education space. Yeah. And when we talk about conflicting um, ways of doing business in public ed, this is where we're at. We are, yeah. I, I was at a conference recently and the entire message was public education is about marketing today because there are so many outside forces and parents have so many different choices. That's true. So it's not just I'm zoned to this school. Right. right. Yeah. So how do you convey all the wonderful things happening in your classroom if you're a teacher or all the wonderful things happening on your campus if you're a principal, yeah. if you're not sharing your story and it's not branded? Right. So that's why I think that um, administrators especially need to build time in their professional development in identifying what their brand is and then leveraging it in their communities. Great to have you. Thank you very much. Yeah. And there you have it, folks. Veronica V. Sofer. She is amazing. I love the way that she tells stories and provides practical tools within a story to help you remember. Ugh, it's it's my bread and butter. I love it so much. Again, you can find Veronica at veronicavsofer.com. She's also on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook and does lots of really great webinars and live events and all sorts of cool stuff to help you learn how to communicate your message, what you want to get across in a way that'll be received and listened to and heard well. As always, our production and editing of this podcast is done by Erwin Solbach, who also does the music that you're listening to right now. Our logo and design work was done by Alana Kanoi, and this whole production is a labor of love from the folks at Responsive Learning. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of your day.